opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's a hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent whatsoever. We know who the hard left are, who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. The hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation. That's a hard left wing position. Hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, the hard left, the hard left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, 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 My tweet when I tagged you. Yeah, I'm just looking at it up now because I don't want to load up Twitter on my computer. You just ignore this because you were watching football, or were you just like, fuck off? <laughs> oh god, fuck's sake. I, I don't think it showed up on my mentions at all. Um, that's my excuse, and I'm That happened the other day with the Mumford and Sons thing. Have you got me fucking muted or something? No. The Mumford and Sons thing, you literally replied about 10 seconds after this with like the same tweet. So I'm not going to reply to everyone individually that makes the same point. No, I referred specifically <laughs> to the fact that he had taken a hiatus from a band to uh, learn and grow, which I thought was really <laughs> funny. And he's obviously done it, and he's grown to the point where he, he's outgrown Mumford and Sons. Uh, and is like I'm gonna make it in the wider world uh, of of right wing commentary. <laughs> but you phrased it like you were like, uh, hang on, I thought he was taking time out to learn and grow. So I took it the same as this. I was like, oh, is, is he not just taking time out or whatever it was he said? You know. Well, admittedly, I should have like joined your conversation. Look, this is this is not something we'll ever say much uh, about the, the the comedy stylings of of real politics, but. I think you were just a bit too subtle there. Well, yeah, I suppose it was a deep cut for those who, yeah. who had fond memories of his statement on his original hiatus from the band. Much like the Gamecast, you've got to be really on the ball to, to catch the, the subtle humour. Yeah, I'm not a Mumford's head, but I'm obviously a, a Winston <laughs> head, you know. Yes. Uh, but we actually... We're going to be talking about that at a later date, so let's just abandon that shitty band. <laughs> let's not talk about that total fucking dog shit. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so what? What are we having? Like, so, so what have we? What have we established? Like, Twitter is silencing me, and and Twitter is silencing you. Um, you know, you, you you've you've had many claims to to be silenced by Twitter. Most of them, let's face it, better than this Most one. Most of them entirely legitimate. <laughs> Most of them just involved you getting like randomly banned for Nothing. you know fuck all. But you know, just philosophizing here about about you know what it's like to be thought leaders. And I think morally, you can take whatever your following numbers are and multiply them by about five, and just say that's what you would have had if if the hated Twitter weren't weren't biased against yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Morally, <laughs> it was yeah. Twi- Twitter followings are are a mark of morality. It's just uh, some of them are incorrect, so they don't they don't show the full picture. Yeah. If you wanted to buy loads of followers, like like uh, like the leader of the Labour Party, you could you could have done that any time. <laughs> but it, you know, 
integrity is important to some people still. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I bet he wishes he could buy voters. <laughs> so little bit on battley and spen that's still going on i think uh i'm have you been invited on sinan's thing on friday Uh, no i haven't no what who's on it because i'll probably watch it if it's good i'm sure he has simply forgotten and will be getting round to inviting you shortly i mean if there's if there's football on friday then he's probably just correctly assumed that won't be about so I'll be there watching the results roll in with Sinan for a bit on Friday in addition to doing our own thing where we're going to be talking about some, 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 uh, I don't even know what to call them, some uh, artisanal uh, faux folk musicians, like, but we'll, we'll get to that at the time. Um, yeah. This by-election is pretty big because a lot of people are saying that Keir Starmer will have to resign if it goes down. And a lot of people are saying even that there'll be a leadership challenge to Keir Starmer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there'll be something. It's just not working for anyone at the moment. Yeah, it, it might be more advantageous to the left if he stepped down on his own accord. Uh, rather than waiting to be challenged by somebody like Trainer yes. or whoever, but that's Just probably the, why yeah, it won't happen. Threshold for nominations would be lower. But... <laughs> He'll have every cunt yeah. on the right of the party in his ear telling him, "Do not resign. Do not resign. Yeah. Do not resign." While simultaneously plotting how they can force him out in six months' time once they've got a plan in place themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. They, exactly. Um... There's a lower nomination threshold for MPs if. Uh, the leader has resigned. You need, uh, you know, I think you need like forty to actually challenge him. So that's obviously, I know it feels a bit. There's all this stuff like blah blah blah, like why they're using this community as a political football and stuff. It's like since when have by elections not been used like that? Like for the entire time yes. I follow politics, like they've always been treated as like a referendum on the leadership, including yeah. you know. The first four of Corbyn's leadership, all of which he won, just saying. Uh, and that one that he lost in Copeland in 2017, that was yeah. uh, Corbyn should resign. He didn't. Starmer might yeah. use that as precedent, but then we can say, well, actually, Corbyn had won quite a bit of stuff and won some stuff after that. So yeah. uh, <laughs> He lost his first set of local elections. He lost something like six seats nationwide or something. You know? yeah, Starmer um, lost what, worse. like? 200 some mad shit 200 or something yeah Yeah. and and he lost his first by-election he's only had one so far but this is number two not looking good he lost it in part through his own making like personally intervening to like unprecedented uh extents to select one of the worst candidates you can possibly imagine and i'd say that the candidate in batley and spen kim led beater like the main thing yeah. that she's got going for her is not being Dr. Paul Williams. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not the same level of, of misstep by it, you know, no matter what you think of her as a candidate. But I don't think she's uh, good. In, in a sense, that out there. No, I, I don't really think she's good, but I, I do feel sorry for her in a sense because it's very much a sort of Labour right, this is what we think the media want and this is therefore what we think the public want. And she's kind of been feels like press ganged into into running in what must be difficult in the seat that you know uh her sister was was murdered in while also having to run a campaign that is very obviously still coming heavily from the top down like huge restraint on what she can say or do 
um, you know, sending sort of minders with her anywhere, everywhere, not to protect her, but simply to make sure she doesn't go off message at any point. Um, but it's a shit message she's been asked to deliver, and one that's popular with no one. Do you know? think it's all the leadership's edicts, though, in terms of what she is and isn't saying? Because... I don't know, like, she doesn't seem to believe in anything, man. Yeah, but that is part of the leadership either, that, isn't that's it? That's true. It's not, it's not cool to be stood, to be standing for anything. It's it, it's cool to be listening. And uh, we're, we're, very, we're, we're very sorry, Labour are terrible. Uh, please vote for us this time or next time. It's, it's good that you didn't vote for us last time. Um, we want to know what you care about. Oh, you care about Palestine, right, moving along. Yeah, but, but surely they wouldn't have selected her if she stood for anything. They, they they picked her because they knew that she was just kind of this, like, floating, centrist kind of person who doesn't particularly, like, hold... I think, yes, but I think they've, they've assumed that as a sort of broad centrist who's been successful in her, her sort of extra-political career and so on, they've kind of assumed that she literally stands for nothing and has no strong opinions. You know, they, they've, they've treated her like someone that's been concurrently on the Labour Party ladder for 20 years. And, you know, you see all these people that have been in NOLS, have been bag carriers for their MP. Like, they, they don't stand for anything because although they have views of their own, they've, they've had it drummed into them not to ever uh, express anything off, off the party line or, or the line that's going to get you a leg up. Um, someone who maybe has quite bland politics coming in from outside politics doesn't necessarily have that sort of aggressive anti-politics cast to them, you know? For, for somebody coming from outside of politics who makes a big deal in her rhetoric of being a non-politician and being a kind of outsider, I mean, she seems to have mastered that standard Westminster politician <laughs> way of saying absolutely fucking nothing. So she's been successful in business. It's just a skill in that as well, you know? It's this management speak. Well, yeah, exactly. I fucking it's hate professionalization that. of, of labour and that's that's where the the crossover comes that she becomes a successful Ooh, candidate for a bit more than a narrative. Yeah, I I hear from people who I, I respect even that she's this good performer but for me it's just that it's just a performance it doesn't come across as sincere i saw somebody else saying which i agreed with that she um the way that she kind of like brings everything back to a personal story like every political issue oh that reminds me of when i had lunch with my friend who's a nurse like it, it, it's like it just almost comes across as like narcissistic it's supposed to seem relatable but it's it's just suggests phillips fucking thing that's the default jess phillips is like particularly bad at it but like uh, you know that that is what most political candidates in their sort of late 20s through to late 40s will will do now um it's become the default in recent years like i remember um in the the early stages of the 2010 election um david cameron was seen as slick for for doing that sort of thing he was actually really bad at it you know he'd go up get up in debates and be like yes i was speaking to a black man in plymouth <laughs> about helicopters and uh people would look into the stories he was telling and he was telling them so clumsily like the phrase virtue signaling gets used a lot this was virtue signaling because he'd essentially 
made up a guy and added loads onto his story to make him seem like, ah, you wouldn't expect him to be chatting happily to me, a Tory, would you? People looked it up and for it to be true, he'd have to have like joined the Navy when he was 14 years old or something. Like, it was just lies. Miliband definitely did that. Like, all the Guardian lot, like, they're sort of like Ian Martin, all the thick of it people, like, moonlighting at the Guardian for peanuts. Which just like, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, that point. was mad when Ed Miliband, like, pretended to be, uh, like, pretended that he'd had a conversation with, like, this 80-year-old Scottish man on Hampstead Heath, and it was obviously a nonsense. Mm. And then when they got a leader who couldn't be asked of that stuff, they were just like, fuck off, where's yeah. the Hampstead Heath man? <laughs> like, Ed Miliband was profoundly uncomfortable with that sort of thing, but he still, like, didn't push back against it at all and went out and tried to do it every time they put him in front of a camera and, and came across, like, even more spectacularly awkward than he is as a result. Yeah. But by that point, it was already, like, this is what is expected of you as a as a... Uh, a politician is to to be like treating every answer in every interview like uh, a sort of star method answer you'd give in a job interview you know uh, tell me about a time where you've diffused tension you know in the workplace and all these sort of questions you know yeah um no one ever willingly does those outside of job interviews uh no one like naturally translates their own experience into this sort of and that's why I'm great sort of canned story and yet politics consistently uh, assumes that what we the idiot public want is some guy to get up on TV and be like I'm interviewing for the job of Prime Minister I'm interviewing for the job of your local MP here's why I'm a a, a highly motivated go-getter and we'll be great at that and like you know much like the sort of Hyper ambitious middle management at your work or whatever, you know, even if you get on from fine outside of that contest, you're going to think, dickhead, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to grudgingly vote for them at best, you know? Yeah, I, I, so I guess, yeah, there's maybe a thing of like uh, approaching press interviews, like their job interviews. It's like, don't don't try these lines on Owen Jones. <laughs> I, I, I'm applying to be manager of, uh, of, of, of Great, Great Britain Incorporated. Like, you know? <laughs> say, say what you will about Owen. Like, he wasn't having any of it. Like, he's obviously not impressed by this crap. Just, like, have an actual conversation. But instead, it's just like, I'm just trying to think of, like, the things she said, uh, Kim Ledbetter in her interview with Owen Jones. But like, I well, actually, just like on another point, I saw, you know, in that Joe video that uh, Ollie Dugmore made. Yeah, that was a bit weird. Yeah, she's yeah. like running away from the cameras mm. and stuff and coming across as like very evasive. And I saw someone defend that as like, uh, well, she's got a policy of uh, only speaking to local press like it or not that's the policy i'm like okay so is that before or after she did that op-ed for the sun <laughs> is oh is <laughs> owen jones yeah. local batley and spen press like why you know why did he get uh, you know why owen jones got an interview it's because paul williams uh looked like shit when he refused to give owen one and he had to backtrack and give him one <laughs> Like, I think the the actual answer there is that Labour at the moment have this policy that all interview requests have to go through, like, the party itself. Yeah. Um, 
or be like a, be like a designated agent in in this constituency, for example. Yeah, it turns out your own MPs just going wildly off script and slagging off the leadership on TV all the time is like not good for the party. Uh, it turns out like the Labour right were aware of this all along. Like shocker. But what 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 has been annoying me as well? Um, obviously, there's the the Galloway thing going on, and uh, Owen Jones. While we're on the topic of him and his interviews, has got. Um, a spectacular amount of flack for for doing an interview with George Galloway. Now I'm not, uh, I, I'm honestly not sure the the wisdom of interviewing George Galloway at, at this point in time. But the the framing from the right has been like Owen Jones supports George Galloway yeah. and is promoting him and his campaign. Um, I'll defend him interviewing doesn't... it. Like I don't think it would be appropriate on yeah. like the kind of show we do. But it, but on Owen yeah. Owen's show, he does make a point of talking to people who he doesn't agree with, and when it's you're looking. He's not giving him an easy ride any more than he's given Kim Lidbitter uh, Kim Lidbitter an easy well, ride. Well, exactly, and just reminded uh, herself to get to some of the things she said in her interview in a little bit. But yeah, on Ga- on Galloway first, like. Uh, yeah, Galloway's a major player in this by-election. It would be, I think, it would not be a complete picture without interviewing him. And, you know, if he also, like, he avoided mischaracterizing him as, as other people have done. Like, I don't like Galloway either, but, like, fair's fair. And, you know, uh, a lot of people are just kind of, you know, attributing any bad shit that happens in, in Batley and Spen to him. Whatever you know, though he has done some some things to stir uh, tensions up. For example, like speaking, delivering that bizarre homophobic speech at uh, the homophobic rally. Um, at this point, uh, I don't know exactly when the crossover point was, but I think it was some time ago. Galloway is is, is purely in it for himself. You know, a few weeks before, like, yeah, literally in the in the recent Scottish local elections. He was running on a full bore anti uh, anti independence uh, campaign. Yeah, and with that, he could do it without doing this, but he eagerly did it. He's teamed up with all sorts of like Scottish Tories, sort of uh, dispossessed UKIP types. He was doing video appeals to like bring back fox hunting and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's, it's just know, ludicrous. He's, then, he's he's come from that within weeks to being like, yeah, I'm, I'm the real left. Yeah, it's just ludicrous to think Owen Jones endorses any of the like bad shit that he has or has has not said. The framing of it is is very much like this seat is being contested between the Labour Party and and, and George Galloway. It's nonsense. The threat George Galloway offers to them is that he will win enough votes that if the election's close, it might lose Labour the seat. Now, if Labour had at any point, for example, dealt with Islamophobia in Labour and coming from Labour politicians and this sort of thing. At any point, really, in the last 20 years, Corbyn made some moves towards it, but, uh, you know, you'd be lying if you said he fixed the problem within the party. Um, If that was the case, George Galloway would probably... His ceiling would be about 400, 500 votes, and that Mm. would be optimistic. He's had a number of elections where he's fallen flat on his arse between his last success in in Bradford and now. Uh, He has no inherent base and the idea that anyone that doesn't support Labour therefore supports and is promoting George Galloway is an absurd yeah. one you know yeah 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 the issue is Labour destroying their base and in the process gifting the Tories for seat he, he is a creature of the Labour Party he, he doesn't really meaningfully exist in politics today if it's not for the failings of the Labour Party mm. and the 
the critics of it at the moment on Labour it's right. It's a symptom. Were, were consistently silent, consistently silent when he was trying to be a thorn in the side of mainly the SNP in Scotland mm. weeks ago, uh, being actually miles to the right of, of where he's running now. Um, he has done a lot of shitty things in the last 20 years at various points. There's a lot of minor incidents. There's some really horrible ones like his, his comments on rape. Um, Christ, yeah. But the only ones you ever hear about from the, the agrocentrist brigade are the ones that come at periods where it's like him versus Labour, where they come in the Iraq war period, the ones that come up when he won Bradford, and now when he's running against the Labour candidate. Yeah. A lot of his worst shit has come at completely different periods to that, and it doesn't exist because their whole idea is that he and all the different strands of Corbynism are one and the same. Yeah, It's, it's grotesque and it's, it's provably false. We've got the situation now. His worst sin is his treachery to, to real yeah. labour. We've got literally got the situation now where George Galloway is threatening to sue individual shit posters while also claiming they work for the Labour Party. <laughs> and the Labour Party is accusing basically the same shit posters, the same corners of Twitter of being like, you are feeding George Galloway and his hatred by not enthusiastically supporting our shit house right wing party. You can't, you cannot win if you're a left winger in Britain, can no. you? You're to blame for everything from everyone. He was tripping about that picture of him with the gun, but I thought that that was actually like almost a pro Galloway satire of some of the absurd. You know, I saw a lot of people saying, yeah. just like this is off the top of my head, but just like George Galloway, shocking. George Galloway goes to Batley and Spen and gets his penis out like it's all just like yeah. I, I, I admit it, he probably wouldn't like that either but it's all yeah. just like absurd things <laughs> that just like uh, George, it, George Galloway is waving a gun about in Batley and Spen that sounds like it's making fun of the people like overreacting it's as much yeah the, the sort of the discourse around it so there's the Owen Jones interview with George Galloway which is I you know I don't find Galloway uh, as charismatic as he's reputed to be. Maybe no. just cause, probably because because he's he's old and a weirdo these days, and he's just kind of. To be fair, I've I've, I've seen I've, I've met the guy once uh, about going on twelve years ago now. Wow. Um, I'll go into a bit more detail in a minute, but my impression of him was basically as yours is now, like not that charismatic and, and like almost sits count. there like with a glassy-eyed expression like muttering away feels yeah. like he's had to really separate himself from from just everything he just feels that, that this remove yeah in order to continue to exist in public life as he has i don't i don't know but anyway yeah owen jones interviewed galloway and like People like Owen Jones just providing this charlatan with a platform. And it's like the video is called, like, Owen talks to George Galloway. Like, George Galloway, why I'm a cunt. Like, it's it's just like, why I voted Tory and Nigel Farage and I'm anti-PC and just, like, a load of things that Owen Jones obviously hates. And his people are just making out that, like you know, they're, they're best mates and he's just done a video like called George Galloway, why I'm the greatest socialist in the world. <laughs> in brackets. A view which I, Owen Jones, co-sign. Um, but 
No, I mean, I, I, I gotta say, like, of all the people, I mean, to be fair, I don't think he's interviewed any of the far-right candidates standing in Batley and Spen, but, you know, I haven't seen any other candidate there or a person who Owen's interviewed recently who he's had to clarify that he has nothing but contempt for, in his words, so much to people, you know? Um, so it's like, and again, I'm not saying he doesn't interview people that he uh, disagrees with, because he obviously does, but he's made so much effort to uh, emphasise that he does not agree with George Galloway on politics. And, you know, if you've followed either figure for years, you know that they don't see eye to eye. Um, yeah, it's been a long time since you anyone with any real familiarity with the left would, would see them as, as natural allies on most issues, you know? It's a long time. So, yeah, I didn't think that Owen Jones was just eating up whatever he said. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, before we get on to the Ledbetter interview, do you want to tell your Galloway story? Yeah, so this would have been when I was first year at university. So this probably would have been early 2010, because it was like 2009, 2010. And um, they, they booked him to just give a bit of a talk and, and a sort of Q&A and things like that at the Students' Union, just in the, in the middle of the day. Um, so they had him, like, downstairs in the pub. They had seats laid out, probably about 100 people there, something like that. There was no real campaign he was on or anything like that. He might have had a book or something to sell, I can't remember. But he's obviously got a bit of a connection with Dundee, where I went to university. That's where he's originally from. Um, knows a lot of the... You know, knew a lot of, like, the local old left there were, like, pals with him and stuff like that. So he was, he was giving a talk about various experiences, like how he remembered old Dundee politics, um, what he thought about you know his experiences during the Iraq war and things like that, and the build-up to it. And it's, it's reasonably interesting. Um, but it wasn't really, you know, not, you, you know what it's like on the left. Like, I now think the version of me from 2010 was, was quite naive, but I was clued up enough that none of this was really new stuff to me. Uh, but it was going cool, okay. It was it was worth turning up for between lectures or whatever it was, you know. And then they had the Q and A, and he was like in full sort of rhetorical speech mode in all his answers. I uh, remember one guy I sort of knew was like a very sort of naive liberal guy. Um, asked a question about like tyrannical regimes and gave uh, about three sort of uh, quite sort of right wing regimes and. Uh, through, I don't think it was Cuba, but it was like it was Venezuela or something. It was a left one that didn't really fit in there. So we're all thinking, like, oh, fuck off, mate. But we knew he wasn't like, uh, oh, the right and the left are the same so much as the guy was just genuinely clueless about it. If you're George Galloway, you probably got more at stake for like, look, let's try and explain to the guy why he's wrong. But he, he just went off on the guy, you know, like a switch flip. <laughs> and he flipped out on the guy, but not in a funny way, like a, like, like a uh, sort of genuinely claiming that this uh, this scrawny Lib Dem first year guy was like a, a paid agent of of the CIA, <laughs> uh, you know, of, like, not not literally, but he was like heavily implying like the Americans are paying you to come to my little talk and and, and ask a stupid question. That rocks, and everyone, man. you could see like other things he'd said. They'd been like some people would be like fuck off, and some people would be like yeah, well said. And then there was this, you'd look around and everyone from the left to like the, the token student Tories who turned up to be out, everyone was just like, the fuck, is this guy, is this a bet? Like, what's, what's he doing? Uh, he was, you know, 
<laughs> That's like the Norman <laughs> Finkelstein approach to yeah. speaking on campus. Yeah. Not that they let Norman Finkelstein speak on no. campuses anymore, unfortunately. But back when he did occasionally, yeah. they um, it, there's like in this documentary about him, this bit where he just like this uh this young the famous the famous crocodile tears bit yeah yeah, yeah yeah that bit exactly this young girl in the audience is like i'm uh i'm yeah i i find some of what you say upsetting and he's just basically like fuck off fuck you fuck yourself <laughs> it was the thing is though it would have been like an easy win for galloway for him to say look i don't think venezuela begins what belongs on that list i'll explain why in a sec Here's my answer to your question. His Maybe he had slightly more integrity back then. He wasn't about the easy win. He, he was about making the tough choices. It <laughs> was fight. about demolish, demolishing some little nerd who later ran for like the Lib Dems on the local council and got about two votes. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, maybe Galloway uh, knew something. Maybe they would have been elected if Galloway hadn't put the uh, hadn't put the frighteners on him. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that's that's the question you got to ask. Like, was that guy headed in the Lib Dem direction anyway? And Galloway called it right, or did Galloway send that guy further down the Lib Dem wormhole? No, my theory is that he genuinely was on the payroll of the CIA. <laughs> but after him, after him getting destroyed by facts and logic in the basement floor of Dundee Students Union, they like <laughs> cut, they like cut him loose, so so he wasn't going to go in labour anymore, and that's why he became a lib then. <laughs> oh, fantastic! He was also wearing his stupid fucking hat, Galloway, not the student. Galloway was wearing his stupid fucking hat. I think the whole time. He was he certainly turned up in it and left in it? But I, I think he, he had the stupid hat on the whole time. This was before it became a sort of fedora, milady sort of meme. But it, he very much had that sort of energy to him. You like, said then. you met Galloway. So did you did you put your hand up and say, oh, "I'm Mr. Galloway. I'm a big fan of your work." <laughs> no, I, I think if if I remember rightly, I helped setting up the the space for the event so there was like a few of us had a, a quick chat with him beforehand yeah. but it was it was just pleasantries you know yeah. didn't really get any sort of good or bad vibe off him at that point probably if it had happened two years like I, I can't remember he just had a go at you like let's don't don't you yeah. ever fucking say anything to me about venezuela you little why have you put the chairs out in this formation it wasn't yeah. it turns out he wasn't targeting that lib dem guy that's just, he just gives everyone the venezuela speech just to make sure <laughs> it's, it's a token of affection keep yeah. them on their toes I can't remember the exact point, and probably a lot of people are the same, the exact point where I'm like, oh, right, Galloway actually is a wanker. I think at that point when I went to see him, I'm like, the guy's a self-publicist and I don't quite trust him, mm. but his politics are broadly fine. But probably if it had been like the exact same event two years later, I either wouldn't have gone or I would have been proper heckling him from the crowd because it was when he went full Assange in a bad way, you know, not just this is grim that they can lock someone up for that, but actually rape is fine and it's just banter or whatever it was he said you know not full of sand in the sense of being uh, unjustly locked up and facing extradition to the united states no. be full, full, of, full of sand in the sense that you got a very clear sense you you wouldn't really want any women you know to be left alone around him that would be such a feather in his cap <laughs> 
Like, to be fair, I, th- I think yeah, like every Times columnist probably genuinely has wanted to deport George Galloway for a long time. <laughs> and David Aranovich and that would be like, yep, yeah, straight to Guantanamo, mate. I don't know. I, I think he'd, he'd managed to piss off all the other inmates within a couple of days. <laughs> like, I think, they, I, I think they would destroy him with facts and logic and, and possibly with weapons. He'd find the most hardline jihadist and start having a go at him for not being Muslim enough. <laughs> he'd be like, you call yourself self-observant yeah. you fucking fraud and uh, <laughs> he gets waterboarded to death by the inmates when, when i was saying some of this stuff i've said here in, in a twitter thread a couple of days ago someone did say in the replies that like him being pro-muslim sometimes comes comes across in a, in a similar way to some of the philo-semitism sort of, uh, yeah couldn't find the word for some reason, but yeah, some of some of the sort of more cynical uh philosemitism you see yeah. in like in a party liberalism and that sort of the thing. Mike Gapes. People thought I was Jewish. <laughs> There's a very unsophisticated I can get votes from the local Muslim community mm. by saying this and doing this. Yeah. And therefore that means they love me and therefore it will sort of feed itself. And generally it works in a short term and then they all realise what a self-serving tossery is and, and, and drive him out but really since bradford it hasn't even worked in the short term i did feel bad for the guy in owen jones's documentary that he did where he's talking uh he's like with galloway while galloway's canvassing and this guy's saying to galloway like you know don't abandon batley and spen when this is over and galloway doesn't even like say that he won't he's just like oh if i oh, get yeah. elected i will make it badly and spend known in every country in the world it's like uh but you didn't say you're gonna stick around did you so <laughs> moving on from from galloway uh but but continuing <laughs> talking sorry. about the uh owen jones coverage for batley and spend by-election the kim leadbeater interview i think he put the full one out today or yesterday Mm-hmm. fucking dreadful i mean we already talked about her uh rhetorical style uh and so on but just in terms of specific things that were said so in the documentary i think we may have mentioned this uh, in the previous time we talked about this but she could not bring herself to say that she was opposed to selling arms to israel she's like oh it's not as simple as that it's like what what do you need to know there weapons britain selling them israel killing people <laughs> she's like actually uh, i've thought about it now yeah. and uh, we need to also sell arms to hamas and level the playing field <laughs> no i don't think that's gonna be it again it's the labor right they're in with the weapons companies like that's it that yeah. may, that's probably not her personal view but that's why starman's leadership don't want parliamentary candidates that are saying that we're opposed to arms sales to Israel. Because, you know, there's probably, like, GMB members or something (laughs) working at the weapons plants, and that's important to the whole network of patronage that sustains various right-wing MPs and so on. So, you know, I (laughs) don't need me to explain uh, how how everything in the Labour movement links up that's old news kind of that she couldn't bring herself to articulate a position on that but new today is the magic money tree conversation oh, pressing fucking again. stuff you know you can tell again. this is somebody who wasn't paying attention to corbynism didn't join the party under it didn't think it worth getting involved this is the exception that proves the rule that everything that annoys the soft left is good yeah 
Actually, that's a good point. Why didn't Owen ask her about why she uh, only joined Labour, like, fucking yesterday, you know? I thought, I think that's a pretty interesting question. Like, what is your political history? How did you end up where you are as a Labour candidate? Given how Labour vet the interview access and things like that, there's probably a pre-agreed list of questions and topics they can't touch. Yeah. No, he was probably testing it by even asking her about, like, weapons sales to Israel. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, the magic money tree thing was bizarre. Like, what she said was, uh, people were, like, making fun of the phrasing, because she, she was like, people are sick of thinking that there's a magic money tree. Like, I lay awake at night, uh, tossing and turning, possessed tortured by the notion that there is an indefinite amount of money that the state can pour into public services. The money mines are running dry, shit. I guess what she's saying is people are sick of, like, Labour saying that there's a magic money tree. It's like, well, that's not what the polling shows in terms of policies. It's classic Labour moderate, isn't it? Like, Labour centre and right, just uh, things can never get better, you know? actively actively shut down any attempt to to reimagine what society looks like in, in any way. Yeah, but when the Tories are just like plugging money into Tory held constituencies surrounding Batley and Spain, it's just kind of like, why would you even fucking vote Labour? Just like, you know, if you're if if you want like social spending, yeah. then you might just give in and say, well, all right, if politics is just a series of transactions, I'll vote Tory. And then because they're so fucking corrupt, because they've got an MP here, then they'll put some fucking money into our seat. Like, you just, Labour are just sending people down the path where they're gonna do that. Because what, you also had Fangham Debonair, one of the shittest MPs in the world. Like, yeah. every... Did you know Debonair's not a real surname? Yes, I saw that. It by Deepak. Fucking incredible. Absolutely incredible. What a fucking ridiculous, like, wannabe fop. Like, you know, she's got a background in classical music, hasn't she? Like, that's such a classical music wanker thing to do. It's like, want to be taken seriously at the Academy change your surname to debonair <laughs> fuck off <laughs> I, it, it got me it, it just got me obsessing over like what other labor figures have incredibly fake surnames gapes. and i'm convinced well, <laughs> not, not a labor figure, sorry not labor anymore philip normal councillor philip very normal <laughs> it, that's clearly not his name um I, i'm not convinced he's real but just yeah like debonair the the until recently the the, the the shadow uh, minister for, for for landlords basically for landlord interests. Oh, is she not still? Who's uh, probably probably. <laughs> uh, it's really grim, but like her flagship policy during the absolute peak of the, the coronavirus panic was, you know, when millions of people were suddenly like, "Shit, how am I going to be able to pay my rent?" When eighteen months on, they've racked up thousands of pounds in rent arrears. Her flagship Labour policy on this was, um, right, tenants must be allowed to speak to their landlords and make arrangements to pay back the arrears over, I can't remember if it was four or five years, it would have been, no, five years, because it would de facto equate to like a a 20% rise in their rent over that period when this is all over. That was Labour's policy for, for, for already squeezed and precarious people in their millions just completely politically illiterate and it was also found around the same time that she was like close and long-standing friends with 
a slum landlord in Bristol whose tenants' flats were so mouldy that mushrooms were growing in the corners of the room. (laughs) And they would text the landlady with um, photos of the mushrooms. She'd be like, oh, have them with your tea. <laughs> this, is, this is this is the sort of people that the Thangam Debonair is is in the social circle of. Uh, quite apart from the fact that half her fellow MPs are, are themselves landlords. Yeah. Um, she's the perfect illustration of why Labour, run by anything other than the left, should be demolished. Basically, <laughs> should just be destroyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than run by, can't Labor. save that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, she says Labour says calling for free social care would just give Tories a stick to beat us with. So that's basically what Kim Leadbeater's <laughs> say. A stick to Leadbeater us with. A lead stick to beat us with. That, 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 yeah. Smooth. That's Smooth. what she was saying there, wasn't it? That just basically, like, yeah. Like, if we... Uh, people are also sick of thinking there's a magic money tree there isn't, so we've got to be clear about that. That's classic Starmer. Just say some fucking bollocks and then just add, so we've got to be clear about that. (laughs) Just say, like, the least clear. Like, like, like water that's just like, like swamp water with radioactive waste poured in level of clear. People, like, driving their car up and just tipping all their fucking rubbish into it. That kind of clear. Uh, (laughs) And then just like, and we've got to be clear about that. And that is the agenda we will be setting out. You know, it's that kind of thing, like the classic Starmer interview where he said, for change... Generic political speech, you know? Generic political uh, text and phrasing. Um, look, I'm the fucking co-host of, a, of an angry political podcast, right? I'm not angry. I don't know, you, to... you might be angry. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a politics degree, right? I am, by every stretch of the imagination, a fucking nerd, right? And whenever I've gone along to like a Scottish Labour conference or any sort of political event where like active politicians are making speeches I, I, I can't focus on it I, I tune out after about 30 seconds I, I can't do it yeah it's just generic filler um it's, it's the spoken word equivalent of like when you zoom in on a photo of a, a magazine or a newspaper and a film and it's got like the Laura Mipsum filler <laughs> Latin text you know that is that is new Labour and you can kind of date it back to to Tony Blair himself. He was seen. You've you've spoken about it before. He was seen as a good uh, speaker, but really he just had a kind of bizarre, yeah. like odd gesture type charisma, and like his phrasing and that was just odd enough to maybe keep you focused. Like he wasn't really good, and everyone else has just been like a shit boring copy of him since he won votes. Like yeah, absolutely. So like the final thing that death. that Kim Leadbeater said that I think was just absolutely hilarious, was when I am elected, I will set out my principles or <laughs> something. I, when, I'm, when I am the MP, I will show people what I'm, I stand for. I'm like, that is really, like, you've internalised so many layers of centrist bullshit to think that's not absurd, because there is this idea, obviously, it's like the thing of, well, we we uh, run to the right in the election and then pivot to the left when we get in. It's like at no fucking point in history has that ever actually happened. But like uh, that someone governs more radical than they campaigned. But these these people have got got, got it into their heads. But that's that's a thing. Uh, and 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 apparently, uh, 
not questioning this idea. Kim Ledbetter is not just like not questioned this idea, but she literally thinks that you shouldn't say what you stand for. <laughs> not just that like you you shouldn't uh uh you you know not just that you should like under promise in an election campaign, but you should literally not make it clear what you're all about. Like you should you 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 should just be a blank canvas that people can uh. But but it's almost just like a gamble. <laughs> it's like, well, I guess we'll. Uh, there's like George Galloway. We know what he stands for. There's the Tory candidate. We know what they stand for. Uh, and uh, oh, we could just like you know. Uh, what's a thing where where you know you can just like it could go any number of ways. Like you 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 just like throw a copper in the wishing well or something. <laughs> no, what what the fuck kind of phrase or like thing am I thinking of? Like. <laughs> I'm just imagining you like racking your brains of like all classic rock lyrics trying to find an appropriate metaphor first. Yeah, that was one of my own lyrics. That, I, that, I mean, it's a cliche kind of vibe. That was definitely those words in the melody of a song I wrote. But like, no, no. I thought it was Marty Pello, but on you go. You, you know, it's just like, oh, you vote for Kim Ledbetter. You don't know what you're going to get. She could be a, a hard leftist. She could be a fascist. It's like, she could be like yeah. a hoxerist. She could be like a hard line <laughs> dead. You're doing a better job of selling her than, than the Labour Party is doing. Like, I want our own little Albania in the middle in the middle of the north. She like, could be an yeah. Albanian nationalist, like Dua Lipa. Like, there's any number of things that she could be like. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, it's basically just the wild card. Like it could... Serbia alive in Kim Ludbeer. <laughs> it's just like, but but you know what. Why the fuck would anyone vote for somebody who it's just like... Blank slate. J- just yeah. trust me. Put your faith in me. That's how Labour do it. Oh, she's nice, vote for her, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it doesn't work. It's nonsense. And anyone that's followed the PLP at all to any extent knows that statistically it's not likely to be true. She does get affected. Yeah. If she is nice, then, then she's the outlier, you know? Whether or not they chose a local press only campaign, which seems kind of dubious with the Owen Jones interview and the Sun off head, it still looks fucking terrible when you're just like running away from journalists and just like being evasive and you're right there and you clearly like could just spend yeah. a minute talking to them, but you're just not. You could literally give them 30 seconds and say, Look, I've not got time for a full interview, but you're asking this. Here's yeah. my answer. And like, Best of luck with a piece. Bye. Naz Shah can talk you know? to them. I'm off to meet more people on the doorsteps or some shit, you know? Like Andy Burnham, the mayor of Greater Manchester, one of the most, like, actually powerful Labour politicians in the country, uh, for whatever that counts. Yeah. He could spare a few minutes to, uh, to talk to Owen Jones. And, and also, just like, you know, you're saying how shit George Galloway is and stuff, but he's talking to them. And it just leaves this vacuum. It's like Galloway's side of the story is out there and yours isn't. So that it, it, it's it's just a, an own goal. And, you know, there's all this stuff about Ostama professionalising the labour operation. But the people, are, <laughs> the people I know who've worked for Corbyn in, like, the comms area, which is, like, a good handful of people, like, all of them would, like, break out in a cold sweat if, like, people were doing media management like that when, when they were in yeah. charge of it. Like, Starmer's uh, office and not... Not good, doing a good job with this like centralized approach to campaigning. That's the thing I enjoyed listening back to the last episode when you were just explaining something about someone. I just go wankers in the background. <laughs> That's always fun. I, I'm pretty sure I've done that before. Just the very mention of a name, like oh, 
Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's been a big thing the last week. The, the, the delegitimization of the choices of Muslim voters and sort of the, the, the implication that any reason that Muslims in Batley and Spen, uh, in this particular case, might not want to vote Labour, yeah. might have to not want to vote Labour, is anti-Semitic or homophobic. I mean, it's, it's gross, but it's something that's been lurking in British political discourse for a long time and no one's really come out and said it full bore, but you can tell that a lot of people on the establishment right have been wanting to say it. It's fucking gross, uh, and I think it either comes from or is largely popularised by, again, this sort of Harry's Place engine of dangers, you know? Wow. Um, banging years on. and years very, ago very, when I used to go on... Very concerned about the trans issue. But stay stay yeah. in your lane, fellas. This is a website about how war fucking rules... It's about getting a hard-on when the bombs fall, when the shrapnel flies. It is not about domestic issues. I mean, to be fair, it always has been about domestic issues, but that the specific domestic issue is we hate the Muslims, they're all out uh, yeah, to Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. Threat. It's always been about British Islamofascism. Yeah. Back when I used to, to use, like, Cook and Bomb fairly regularly, when, when Falcon Malteser used to post on there as Boborski. That was why you used uh, he, it. <laughs> just, to, just to have that's chat why with your best the, mate. The, the, the quality political analysis provided by that man. <laughs> but he used to basically be coming out and saying, like, uh, oh, these Muslims, they, they all hate the Jews, you know? Mm. It's, it's, uh, they're, they're brought up that way, and they, they hate the Jews, and they're, they're, they're uh, trying to advance anti-Semitic causes. And he'd ask him for a, a source, whatever shit he was claiming, and he'd evade it for a couple of posts and then sheepishly tweet a link to, to Harry's place nine <laughs> times out of ten. And I think I've discussed before in what detail I'm going to do here, but there was someone else on another forum who was like more of a crank, and he sort of read a lot too much Harry's place without the critical faculties to uh, really interpret it. And he'd got the idea that like, Halal inspectors were funding terrorism in the UK <laughs> and that you could tell someone was a halal inspector and therefore uh, funding terrorism because they had quite full beards. <laughs> yeah. But he had, yeah, he, he was basically like the slightly dumber version of, uh, uh, of Falco Maltese. They, they had the same politics, they had the same priorities and obsessions. But the other guy was dumb enough to be like every few weeks. Like, yeah, there's going to be a race war, by the way. <laughs> well, obviously, I'm being facetious when I say it's a website about foreign policy, not domestic issues, because there's no such thing as somebody who's right wing on foreign policy, left wing on domestic issues. It's all tied together. You can't, you can't just want your own lot to do OK uh, and people outside of your immediate sphere to get fucked and call that. A left-wing position of any sort. So yeah, these people are just flaming fucking reactionaries, and that's why it's no surprise that they have uh, found themselves on the side that they're on on the trans issue. It's like that desperate little thirsty fucking gnome, fucking Matthew Dancona. Does he own any ga any dank? You wouldn't know it. From from his his terrible writing, should be forced to change his name. Yeah, to something more accurate. Yeah, little fucking goblin, little fucking <laughs> fuck. What are, what are some other like gnome 
goblin type <laughs> things. Pixie doesn't really yeah, work. Yeah, no, he's it? not uh, a pixie, not like a magical. So... Oh, Matthew Dancona here to bless you with pixie. <laughs> no, he he's he, he's uh he's just, uh, just he's a not an orc. He's not an orc because like he's not in any way intimidating. No, just um, just him, Hodges, Aronovich, just these like squat little fucking ugly hobbit men. Like you know, like is is there in in Lord of the Rings and shit? Like is there a hobbit who is like the ugly? Hobbit, or who's like a cunt and everyone hates him, and so. I mean, there's fucking Gollum, isn't there? <laughs> was, Go- was Gollum a hobbit? I can't remember if he was once a hobbit or once a man, but he uh, he got fucked up by like the influence of the ring into just being. Yeah, this... I'm not even going to ask if they have men in. Essentially, a goblin, not called a goblin. Um, I know from spending too much time on Twitter that about half of left Twitter are really into Tolkien for some reason, so we're probably getting more hatred for this. <laughs> Uh, this ex- getting, getting Tolkien wrong here in, in the myriad ways uh, than, than like any of the many contentious things we say in every episode. Really, I just imagine these guys are just covered head to toe in thick, clumpy, coarse hair. You know? Like, they yeah. should fucking take some of it and glue it onto their bald fucking heads. Maybe it'll give them some sense. Troglodyte. Troglodyte. Fucking... Yeah. fucking nomic you know people still lying still saying nomic doesn't mean of or pertaining to gnomes fuck off <laughs> <laughs> that's some callback that <laughs> i stand tall in the face of the fake news machine not very nomic is it if you're standing tall so I'm also listening to all these Noel Gallagher, Matt Morgan podcasts. I'm just like internalizing just Noel's way of scathingly dismissing somebody. Just oh fuck that cunt. Like that was what he said. I think there's like Matt Morgan was like, what about now Corbin's gone? What about that Keir Starmer? Fuck that cunt. <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed uh, the thing I was going to mention to you about Russian hacking is you ain't never heard Russian hacking told to you until you heard Russian hacking laid out to you uh, by Noel Gallagher (laughs) oh my god (laughs) you watch some documentaries probably just like HBO pumping money into just some bullshit catnip for liberals you know just like Russia did he said it was about the 2016 election which is like Shut up. <laughs> the only 2016 election that, that Noel Gallagher sincerely cared about was the one where he voted for Owen Smith. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think, yeah, I talked last time about uh, his opinions on Tony Blair. I'm just trying to think what other, like, uh, political opinions have been ventured by Noel on the podcast. The worst thing, I'd actually say uh, Matt Morgan was a worse offender on this than Noel. But, like, literally, Matt Morgan doesn't understand, like, uh, why Jermaine Greer calling herself a feminist, like, doesn't just give her a free pass for, like, uh, for, for all the horrible transphobic shit she said. Like, basically, uh, he's just like, oh, you know, it's two people I think of, uh, Peter Tatchell and Jermaine Greer. You know, these people, uh, feminism and gay rights, that's what they've always been about. 
and still fucking people cancel them and it's like <laughs> do, you, do you do you think that somebody like doing something at one point just enable just puts yeah. them beyond reproach for the rest of their life like yeah they're, they're both saying it makes them like an unimpeachable expert on that matter forever and also that their opinions on other stuff is also good you know and in both of those two cases, it's absolutely not the case, I you know? Heard, I heard that, and I was just like, this is just fucking ignorance, you know? This is someone who literally doesn't understand, like, how how these things work. Like, how everybody who applies a certain label to themselves does not, by necessity, see eye to eye on on, on every single issue. I mean, uh, also there's, oh yeah, there's a mad bit where Noel keeps mentioning quote-unquote Antifa. <laughs> and he's like, you know, a mad fucking shit, like Antifa over young boys. And Matt Morgan corrects him, like, it's the proud boys. And Noel is just... <laughs> the <laughs> young boys are a Swiss football team. <laughs> <laughs> I think they even say that as well. They, they, they're obviously both, yeah. both big football fans. But, like, uh, Noel, Noel's just like, you know, you got the fucking... <laughs> Sorry, stop doing the fucking thing. It's just irresistible. Like, Matt Morgan... All right, John Matt Harris. Morgan's got a bit of a... No, actually, they were talking about this, and Matt Morgan... Morgan pointed out that uh, he was like, does it hurt you when uh, they write fuck instead of fuck? <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. And then uh, he's just like, oh, you know, it's just poncy middle class cunts. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, I just, I'm hoping at some point they mention John Harris because I fucking loved that Noel Gallagher quote recently. But it was just like, John Harris is a cunt. We never invited him round my gaff back in the 90s. Noel's like talking about... Uh, what they, oh yeah the fuck uh, the fuck issue yeah Matt Morgan points out that like in he's like when when he's reading Viz they write fac for Cockneys as well uh, uh, us middle class wankers make fun of working class people from the south as well okay <laughs> but um yeah uh they're, they're, like Noel's talking about Antifa and he's um also talk that's how he says it I I. <laughs> but he also uh yeah he's like antifa and the proud boys and like they both get fed like disinformation by russia that just appeals to whatever their uh pre-existing political proclivities are not his phrase uh but then um he says this thing that he also says in one of the other episodes that i talked about last time where he's just like but you know really the truth is always somewhere in the middle and I'm like, what of anti-fascists and the fucking proud boys, <laughs> the young boys, sorry, the Swiss, the fascist Swiss football team. <laughs> Please don't sue me. <laughs> don't be the first time Switzerland declares war on anyone. I mean, they're mainly known in Britain for like two of the greatest, uh, the greatest headlines of all time. Because they they used to play at the the Wankdorf Stadium, so it was like um, <laughs> some enterprising sports writer had like uh, young boys Wankdorf erection woe over problems with like redeveloping the stadium, and then when that was resolved, young boys Wankdorf erection relief. <laughs> Fucking hell! It's like that the music producer who produces like every. Uh, big selling album for like Taylor Swift and everyone, Jack Antonov. Just like, why the fuck do you call your kid Jack if your surname ends in off? Just cruel. 
Just people, just no consideration for the life your child is going to live. I mean, he's done all right for himself. Fuck him. Like, Bruce Springsteen just, <laughs> he was saying, oh, Bruce is part of my inner circle. It's like, fuck off, you're like 12. Like, what the fuck, Bruce is part of your fucking inner circle. But and again, I guess he does spend his time, like, arsing about on super yachts with Noel Gallagher and others. Noel, Noel's like, yeah, yeah. So I was just, I was, I, I'm friends with it, like the amount of name dropping in just like ten seconds in this. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm mates with Jade Jagger, Mick Jagger's daughter, and then she, I'm having uh, dinner with her in like Corfu or something, and she's like, can my godfather come along? Which is obviously a bizarre thing to say. Like, why wouldn't you say who it is? And, she, and so it, it makes me feel this is just like Noel embellishing it for narrative purposes. But sure her enough. godfather shows up and it gets, surprise, surprise, uh, he's on a big fucking yacht and he's Calvin Klein. And, and like, Calvin Klein brings forth his massive entourage, including Bruce Springsteen, who Noel proceeds to then uh, talk to about music for several hours and he tells a funny thing about how he's Springsteen's like so whatever happened to those stone roses eh that cool little band from Manchester and and and, and Noel's like let me get you a drink and I'll sit you down and tell you the whole fucking sorry story <laughs> but but, um, <laughs> but the point you know I was just sitting there thinking like what the fuck is Springsteen doing arsing about on super yachts with Calvin Klein I'm Fuck off, man. Like, literally, ugh. Like, this, I keep just encountering this stuff about this opulent, rich guy's life. You know, like, Springsteen getting busted for a DU, like, ever since we did our Michael and Us crossover about him and his (laughs) shitty podcast of Obama. Like, Springsteen, when he's, like, busted for, like, driving under the influence because he had, like, two tequila shots and, like, you know... Some asshole cop threw the book at him. Like, that's cool. Like, that's fine. That's like Bruce Springsteen doing, like, Salt of the Earth stuff. But super yachts? <laughs> Fuck me, man. Of course, there's the famous... I mentioned it on, on that episode, actually. Springsteen, uh, Obama, Oprah, and the hated Hanks sw- <laughs> swanning about on a fucking yacht. Grotesque. L- obviously love Bruce's music and stuff. I'm not you know, people know know that about me. Surely, I may. I don't need to sign up to every bit of an artist's politics if I if I like their work enough. But I feel like with Bruce Springsteen, you know, I, I you you just want him to have a distaste for the trappings of wealth and celebrity. Yeah, or at least, at least keep it more subtle that you don't, you know. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. You know, he's in his seventies. He wants some time in the sun. Let him, I guess. He's he's Bruce Springsteen. Anyway, did you want to update everyone on the poll prof situation? <laughs> because quite a lot has gone down with that since we last spoke. So actually, we haven't been able to keep up with this because we still haven't released our first fucking poll prof conversation, which we did with FFF. Oh, was that after FFF joined? Right, okay, yeah. Sorry, I misremembered that I was being before. No, no. Okay. Not part yeah. Of the so stuff. no, Sinan was there as well, but yeah. I embarrassed this guy, and he'd sort of gone a bit quiet on Twitter about it, and just pretended it didn't happen. Professor Steve Fielding. Professor Stephen Fielding, yes, uh, Paul Prof Steve. Uh, the original, 
<laughs> so he sort of, he got caught out because he accused me of, of making up this gross tweet he'd done, and uh, the tweet was still live at the time and, and remained live for almost twenty four hours afterward, <laughs> and he just got ratioed the fuck uh, as as a result of that. The only immediate outcome of that, like within again that twenty four hours, was in deleting that one tweet and changing his bio, which was a link to all his projects he had on the go to. All of my views are my own, and none of them are worth sharing. I apologise in advance. And um, let me just find the apology, because he did have it pinned, but he's already unpinned it, because he's a coward. Um, fucking, I swear, what's his name? Fucking Ben Bradley had his his up there at the top of his profile a lot longer. No, I'm not sure he ever pinned it, because he, he, he did the sort of tweet it, and then, like, late at night, and then immediately retweet loads of, like, local campaigning from local Tories to push it down his line. So we we all had to ratio him into oblivion. Ah, uh, and that's why it became so viral, because yeah. people were not yeah. letting him do that. Yeah, okay. So four days ago, I think this was roughly nearly a week after the original incident, he just did a tweet that was like, in light of recent events... And then the rest of it was like a screenshot of a, a Word document or something, you know? The usual sort of please retweet sort of energy. It's masterful because it's sort of an apology, but it's not It's not an apology. Uh, it's a masterful use of language to try and not outright openly make him the victim, but kind of constantly be implying that he is actually the victim in all this. It reads as follows. After recently questioning the content of an Owen Jones piece... <laughs> A Twitter pile-on ensued, including one tweet from an anonymous account, which was linked to a tweet from 2012, and for which it alleged I was responsible. Given the provenance and context, (laughs) my immediate reaction was that it was fabricated. I now conclude that it was authored by myself. <laughs> you know what? This this is this uh, incredible piece of writing is why I've been using the word provenance loads for the last few days because he's <laughs> burrowed his way into my head by just having yeah. such a masterful grasp of prose styling. <laughs> my tweet was crass and it has now been deleted. So I apologize to anyone offended by it. <laughs> It's, that's the key sentence. I now conclude it was authored by myself. <laughs> I've t- conducted a thorough investigation. It, it's just cruel of him to dangle that in front of us and not like show us the investigation, <laughs> show us the the cogs turning in the pole prof brain. That's yeah, like, I want step by hmm, step. How can I establish if this tweet that's still live on Twitter that's linked to my account that when you click through it takes me to my own profile was by me or not? Let me see. These leftists are always at it, you know? I don't know. He probably doesn't know how to search his own tweets. It's like <laughs> fucking twi- typical, like, older idiot Twitter user. Just like, you know, mm. probably some older, old smart Twitter users. Just like, just, you know, it's not like second nature to know to bang in a search term, like, next to the relevant stuff, if you know what I mean. He was working on it for days, just, like, trying to work out how to do a Twitter search. (laughs) (laughs) You you know it was a good tweet he's done there with his apology, because it's got under it the the mark of one. Who can reply? People at Polprofsty follows or mentioned can reply. As a result of that, it only has one reply to it, <laughs> which is Heather Mendick, uh, who I think might be on the wind-up here, saying, 
I missed all this, but now I'm curious. What was the deleted tweet? To which he, he simply does not reply. You know, Heather's a mutual of mine. She used to work for Corbyn, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, she's definitely on the wind-up. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually quite surprised they're mutuals, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, and she's used it for uh, for good there, yeah. um, to troll politely. Uh, but it, the result of that, him setting that status on it, is that he's got 368 quote tweets on it. <laughs> Yeah, no. And it's just mostly just people absolutely ripping the piss out of his phrasing and non-apology. <laughs> Someone, I didn't see this at the first time because it was like a day after he tweeted the apology. It wasn't one of the first Dunkins, but uh, someone, Chris Rossdale at C. Rossdale, uh, did a how it started and how it's going with that apology. <laughs> but the how it started is a different tweet by Paul Prof Steve that says, is there a word for an apology which is only made because the guilty party has been found out and trying to bluff it out hasn't worked? <laughs> um, hmm, I wonder. The Burt Chill. <laughs> <laughs> well, what he originally tweeted was just like, Muslims, Muslims and Jews finally find common ground. I'm going to say some offensive shit about them. <laughs> you know, like, it was actually in desire to cut up small boys. I don't, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the fucking uh, Muslim thing uh, referred to in this case, but I, is he describing circumcision as cutting up small boys? Yes, that's specifically what he's doing because it was a it was a Giles Fraser article. He was uh, he was re- referring to when he said it. Um, before Giles Fraser went like full alt right, which was weird. <laughs> just this kind of. Boring liberal potato. If I wanted you know? Tory policies, I'd vote Tory. A year later, <laughs> votes Tory. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate how it started and how it's going. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, so so yeah. Any any other uh, Steve Fielding developments here? No, uh, no. He's just gone back to his fucking boring usual tweeting. Um, yeah, what what shit does he usually tweet about? Let's have a look. Just I'll just have a look down the image tab. Posting the same meme over and over again. I mean, we all do this. He's posted it like three times in a row. This this it's a picture picture. He's going for Laura Pidcock this evening for um, appearing at some event. That was saying the Tories are bad. <laughs> How dare she? Yeah. <laughs> I know, shocking, isn't it? He's, like, he's, he's having a go at the left for like not liking the Beatles at the time. He's like, the reaction of, of some of the left to the Beatles, and then a little like person sh- shrugging emoji, is that? I mean, yeah, person shrugging emoji. Uh, leftist reactions ran the gamut from the Beatley doctrinaire uh, to radio producer and CPGB stalwart Charles Parker. The Beatles syndrome provided incontrovertible evidence that pop was a form of social control sanctioned and utilised by the social elite to safeguard their position. The frankly bizarre, Beatle maniacs reminded classical composer and fellow CPGB member Alan Bush of voodoo in British Guyana. (laughs) New Left Review declared outright in 1960, that most of pop music is bad music, <laughs> judged by its own standards, not by those of art music or folk song. It's like, you don't go to, like, New Left Review for that anymore. You go to John, what's his fucking name, that weird... He was tweeting about how it would be great if, like, uh, Glaston... Oh, Milbank. Milbank, yeah, yeah he yeah, was like, yeah. wouldn't it... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I long for the day that Glastonbury refers to uh, pagan ceremonies where we would stab the child in the chest. 
<laughs> Later critiques from underground or anarchist commentators were, if anything, less fretful or forgiving. King Mob's response to All You Need Is Love was to dowel All You Need Is Dynamite on a Tavistock road. That's not really attacking the Beatles, though, is it? That's referencing the Beatles. <laughs> They're very different things, you know? Yeah, I guess it's just, it's... you know, he may he may even have... Or King Mob, is that a organisation? <laughs> anyway, King Mob may have liked the song on a musical level, but just thought, well, uh, we have a different uh, strategic approach, which is... Uh, <laughs> well, King Mob were basically a sort of anarchist situationist group around late 60s sort of time. Okay. It's well known that there were like revolutionary critiques of the Beatles. Uh, the, so- the song mm. Revolution doesn't exist in a, 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 ba- in, in a vacuum, they, they in fact... which is in fact a Beatles critique of revolution. So you like it was going both ways. There were obviously uh, some going to be some contradictions there. They're credited by many with the the, the famous graffiti with the you know on um, on one of London's uh, commuter tube routes. It's like um, same thing day after day. Tube work, dinner work, tube armchair, TV sleep tube work. How much more can you take? One in ten go mad. One in five cracks up. That that's something that still gets referenced today, so it makes sense why why the pole prof's still grubbing around them, you know. Yeah, well, um, I just think it's funny that Steve Fielding is like he's just like grasping so hard for a shot at the left. He's just like you fucking guys didn't even re realize that the Beatles were good. It's like wait, if you want like fucking <laughs> ultra like sour faced British leftists despising innovative developments in popular music like uh go to the reaction to bob dylan going electric like that's that's if anything more fucking ridiculous than this anti-beatles stuff because it was literally just like playing electric music is is an affront to socialism (laughs) somehow (laughs) but um but yeah, it's just really funny that he's just like, oh, well, what's what's a unquestionably exemplary of the arc of history bending towards progress? Oh yeah, the Beatles. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know the, the left. Yeah, no, some of them they, they weren't all all hyped up on the Beatles. Can't really trust these people. You know, kind of shadowy usurpers to our our culture, our monoculture. Wait, what's that? Someone quotes Hobsbawm saying something. The two wor- Hobsbawm said that the two worst things to happen to Britain were rock and roll and Thatcherism. Yeah, well, he was fucking old. Like, <laughs> you can't expect people of that age to, like, have really enjoyed rock and roll. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah the rest of Pol Prof's uh, timeline is just, oh, here's Owen Jones, here's Aaron Bastani. All your favourites. Oh, and he doesn't like any of them. Shocker. He's like, so I'm not saying he looks good in his profile pic. He's got a weird squint going on, but he is catfishing in that. I mean, I saw a pic of him and he looked fucking shit. Yeah. It's either a very flattering photo or it's about 15 years old. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, I bet he did look like that. Either of which is, is plausible. I thought you meant that's what he looked like when he was 50. <laughs> it's like, damn. Yeah, I, I could see it that. All is. before it his time. Is. Typical pole prof. <laughs> pole prof brain can kick in at any age and uh, the results are always devastating. Professor Steve Fielding. 
Oh no, that's the old man who meme he's been posting. Uh, well, there's him with a floppy haircut, but it's a very small picture. Um, is that a different Steve Fielding? Um, well, no, none of none of these are like that exceptionally hideous. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Um, but you know, the point stands. Not not a, a thought. No, he he is old as fuck. He's just, yeah, yeah, he's definitely he's, used a younger pick. I think. I think. I think you can confidently say. Yeah, he's definitely trying to be like the cool professor, <laughs> squinting like he's fucking Clint Eastwood, blinking in the Mexican sun. One of about fifty reasons why I'm just really sorry for his poor students. <laughs> yeah, just leaving their heads filled with nonsense. And and, and if they write a good essay, he'll probably mark it down. Really unfair. <laughs> yeah, just hearing, a, hearing the record is open and pluralistic, but the politics is hard and binary. Shut up. The odd thing is, like, when I was having a look back through his old tweets from, like, 2012, 2013, when that other one came up, and I was seeing if it was more like that, he was Boring as fuck, like, but he wasn't as reactionary as the Polkaroff Steve we know and love. <laughs> and it really does seem like a particularly dramatic version of... I suppose he would have been on the Labour right, but not, like, the headbangers of the Labour right, you know? He would have been... He spends a fair bit of time actually laying into people to his right, uh, criticises Israel a lot. Yeah, that's why I, I noticed. Flat out wouldn't do today. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Lot, lots of Israel criticism. But it really does seem like the, the double whammy of Corbyn becoming leader and uh, Britain voting uh, to, to, to leave the European Union just broke his brain. We've seen it in a lot of people, but it's really dramatic with him because, as far as I can remember on Twitter, he's just been this sort of full-time sort of low-effort, low-quality, try-and-go-the-left sort of thing. And he's, he's seen his career thrive because that's the country we live in, you know? <laughs> Taking it out of his bio now, so I don't know if it's still going ahead, but he's, uh, he was about to present some sort of BBC documentary, <laughs> so they've obviously... Um, in fact, was it, was it not something about, like, coming back from the brink, you know, coming back from scandal or something like that? that he was, uh, he's, he's, because he's took it out. Put it off a couple really of years, sort of... but, uh, you know, via, 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 yeah. uh, yeah. I'm Alan Partridge of uh, Steve's career. If they delay it a bit and then, you know, hastily film a new ending uh, a la um, that Momentum uh, Fly on the Wall documentary. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it could be, it could, we could explore in great detail how, how he comes back from the brink, you know, of, of being bodied by a, a vile anonymous account on Twitter <laughs> simply for having the cheek to steam in two-footed on Owen Jones every day and Owen Jones politely replies saying, hang on, I actually did this instead, uh, which he then responded to with, actually the data shows Muslims are all bigots or more likely to be bigots and that's where the whole thing started, you know? He's brought the entire thing on himself. Should we call it a night then because in a few days' time we're... Uh talking some yeah, more. I think so. We've got a good hour and a half on, on, on this, yeah. Um, just want to say uh, a, a big F in the collective chat of our listeners to Mike Gravel, who died today. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, very sad. Titan of the American anti-war movement. I'm glad you uh, announced that one because I thought of mentioning it and I was definitely going to say Mike Gravel. So 
I did just check on Wikipedia to see if I was pronouncing it right. Uh, it's that American shit, you know. They 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 put so much effort into pronouncing words. Mike Gravel. It's like it's gravel. Like Monty Python. It's Python. Like stop. For a, for a man who lived to I think ninety one, he was. He, he was quite online. He was he was often very online. But the up the up the upshot of that is that I mainly know him from online, and you don't really hear people going like, "Ah, oh, yes, Mike Gravel." No, I, I I dig him. Yeah, I I think he was yeah. he was cool as an online figure. And of course, like you can look into what he did in the past, like read out the Pentagon Papers in the Senate or something. Have I fucked that up? Yeah, no, he did. He he he's the one that got it on the congressional record. Um, okay, by making by reading it out. So yeah. Was that just like a filibuster? He just stood there for like days, just reading, reading all that shit. I think in practice, because essentially it needs to be like said in Congress to get it on the congressional record. So he's basically gone there and read the lot out, you know. Oh, well, that's I think yeah, that's cool. That's like classic, like political mm. Machiavellian schemes. He was he was pretty consistently anti-war. Um, when when they, whenever they let him into any like uh, any presidential debate sort of thing he'd always like, absolutely clean house with everyone in there yeah uh, and as a result of that they usually wouldn't let him in him <laughs> and it was quite disheartening uh, back in 2008 when he ran it was quite disheartening that like a lot of people who weren't right wing but who were young and not heavily political sort of got into ron paul because like oh he's anti-war he's anti-war when that was like his one good position and yeah. he sort of come to it by accidental reasons like you've got an anti-war candidate right there yeah. Who isn't just trying to sell you a million different pyramid schemes and take all your money, you know? <laughs> and, you know, who isn't actually a massive old school 1930s racist. Did Ron Paul die? No, Ron Paul, did he, he had a heart attack, didn't he? Um, that was quite funny. Who the fuck am I thinking? Am I thinking of Herman Cain? He's like another weird yes. libertarian dude, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he died. He, he, okay, yeah, cool. He died of COVID and had like scheduled tweets come out two days later saying like COVID was a hoax. <laughs> and, uh, that was what masks off and all that. Yeah, yeah. no, I, what yeah. I was thinking of was that Rand. Oh, Ron Paul's still fucking tweeting. Ron Paul. Rand, Rand, Rand Paul got beat up by his neighbour. That was really funny. That's fu- no, I was thinking of Rand Paul also did a thing where he was just like, oh, it's fucking COVID, it's a bunch of bullshit, blah blah blah. Had it two days later, you know. It was a classic Herman kind of thing but he didn't actually die you know make of that what you will Ron Paul is about and he's still punting his Liberty Report although it seems now to be like a YouTube channel instead of a, a newsletter mm. uh, which says a lot about YouTube's content moderation given his newsletter is famous for being like incredibly racist over a period of decades mm. very anti-Semitic as well oh <laughs> He doesn't like these international bankers, these these cabals of international bankers, does Ron Paul. I can't get behind a man who doesn't like international bankers, my favourite people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, Tom Doran. Uh. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Tom, Tom Doran in his IDF hoodie. What a cunt. Yeah, I just like that was that was just just in case anyone didn't get the satire there. That was people who think that like expressing right wing views like I love capitalists makes you the least anti Semitic person in the world. Obviously. <laughs> Alright man. Uh yeah, so thanks for listening everyone. We've been shooting a shit about politics. Subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah, that's about it. Starmer out. Yep. As ever, Starmer, get a fuck. 
Our position has really evolved on Starmer from we don't support him at all to we really don't support him at all. Sharice was brushing her long hair gently down It was the afternoon of Carnival As she brushes it gently down Ruben was strumming his painted mandolin Was a maid with a pretty face in shade Played the Carnival Parade Charisse was dressing as pirouette in white When a fatal vision gripped her tight Charisse, beware tonight Reuben, Reuben, tell me truly true I feel afraid and I don't know why I do Is there another Sweet Ruby 
It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing. 